Hello, you are listening to the official Scottish Rugby podcast. I'm Caroline Blair and with me in the studio is Chris Patterson here at BT Murrayfield Stadium. We'll be catching up with the Scotland women's camp a little later on as they prepare to kickstart their Rugby World Cup campaign this weekend. But first, Scottish Rugby has welcomed the findings of a new report into neurodegenerative risk among elite athletes and former Scotland international rugby players. To tell us a bit more about the findings of this report and to give us a bit of insight into it, we now welcome Scottish Rugby's Chief Medical Officer, Dr James Robson. So straight to it then, James, what's what's the findings of this report and, and what's your reaction to them? Yeah, very, very important study and of course we welcome any research that can inform us about our game and in particular that may lead us to improve player welfare. So I applaud this study. It's followed on from the work that the same group did with football and published three, three years ago and that showed a, a link between neurodegenerative disease and football. In this particular case, the pardon upon the headline appears to be that there's a greater than twofold increase in the likelihood of developing dementia in later life and perhaps more concerning to, to the general public and to the playing population, there is a greater than tenfold increase, it would appear, for developing motor neuron disease. How big was the study, James? Is it, it's um, 400, was it 400? Yeah, so with, all with, with former the, international with, players? Yeah, so this is looking at I- elite end players, albeit spanning the, uh, prof- the uh, early professional um, era and back into the amateur era but it's um, all people who have played f- international rugby for Scotland in that cohort I think the final number was something like 412 mm-hmm. so relatively small, small population compared to that in a similar study done on football which was nearly 8,000. It's a really topical issue at the moment and people do listen to it with, with, with their ears open, particularly those that enjoy sport. Um, what, in, from your perspective, what does this research do now for Scottish rugby in terms of being able to drive the conversation forward? It's, it's an area that Scottish rugby has been very committed to and very proactive under your direction with regards to, to ensuring player welfare and, and learning and developing within this field of study. Yeah, not only locally, but but th- this is a, a global issue and a gl- global concern. Traumatic brain injury, concussion, whichever way you want to to label it, can occur in all spheres of life and occurs in in many sports. It's beholden on us to examine any piece of uh, research that comes along, and indeed we've been involved in in this this re- research. For me it further stimulates the discussion of where we take player welfare. I have spent my life professionally as a doctor looking after people and I continue to do so. We at the union put player welfare at the heart of, I believe, everything that we do. This should stimulate discussion between us and any interested party, any party who wants to make both sport and general life much safer because concussion and traumatic brain injury, of course, isn't just um, occurring in sport. It, it, it occurs in everyday life. It occurs at the weekends. It occurs when people fall off the horse or, or off the bike. We can look at this particular issue and hopefully develop policies that globally will benefit everybody. 
And there's other studies going on as well, isn't it? I think it's something University of Calgary were involved in, University of Bath, Edinburgh University, but also the, the, the motor neuron disease link that was um, uh, that was kind of came out of this study. There's a, an invitation to be part of an advisory group there as well because it's definitely something that should uh, needs uh, more research. Yeah, um, Mossy, let, let, let's not lose sight of the fact that world rugby as a sport global governing body have been leading the way in looking at research to do with head injury, traumatic brain injury. They've been absolutely at the forefront of looking at player welfare issues and truly commend that. And then that trickles down to union and then hopefully trickles down to grassroots. We've had that study. We had that parliamentary inquiry Mm -hmm. into concussion and we're waiting for the DCMS to come out with UK um, guidance. Many years ago, you may remember that in Scotland, we developed a a set of guidance for Mm. all sports, Mm. not just rugby. Rugby, football, the the major sports were involved in that. But through Sports Scotland, through Scottish Government, Mm -hmm. we collaborated with Scottish Government and the SFA and campaigners such as Peter Robinson on the development of a leaflet for schools the, the year before that. We can't sit still Mm -hmm. in looking for things. You mentioned some of the research that's going on. Again, World Rugby have been absolutely a forefront of providing money and commissioning independent research into injury rates, not only around concussion, but around physical injury. Because sadly, we, our sport, is a contact or collision sport. We endeavour to reduce the risk as far as we can, but there's still a little bit of an inherent risk. And we see that on a practical level as well. The research and the work that's been done forces changes at the game. Law changes in terms of you know the tackle sanction framework, as well as had uh, higher sanctions, but also in terms of training load through the week for the professional players as well. Yeah, we, you, you, uh, another example. So at the moment, rightly, uh, front and centre is the concern about head injury, repetitive contact, etc. But many years ago when I first entered, one of the big concerns was around neck injuries. Mm-hmm. And set up sequences that, Yeah, so that, that then shows how the authorities mm-hmm. have examined that, they've researched that, and they've changed the, the for instance, the engagement in, in, the in the scrum. That is research in action. So research, identify a problem, mm-hmm. do the research, go back, look at solutions, introduce a solution, monitor that solution, because sometimes that can have consequences itself and may itself require further modification. But I think World Rugby have done a very, very good job in that approach. And that's exactly the process that's happened, wasn't it? Because when to change the the threat of catastrophic neck injury in the scrum, the change is set up to have the sequence. It was a four-stage sequence initially and now a three-stage yeah. sequence. And one of the things, just even to the detail it goes into, I was part of some of it, the, the engage was a word that was used to make the engage, but yeah. now it's set. Engage yeah. is a two-syllable word, so yeah. through bringing something in to make it safer. There was an unintended consequence of taking more time, but it was made safer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but that engage is now changed to set because engage is a two-syllable word and you're getting the position where it was like an engage. So there was a a bigger collision. So it's continuing monitoring changes and that's some of the context behind some of the changes we see. Well, very much. I mean, that's the kind of nuance that we need to... So we see see the headline rates, we see the headlines that that have have come out today in, in the press. But the nuances be, be, mm-hmm. behind it, we have to be very careful 
that we don't lose sight of the fact that more intensive research, wider research, more international research, more collaboration, the likes of Motor Neuron Disease Scotland, their research director, Dr. Jane, Jane Halley, she has been very, very um, kind in re reaching out. She's willing to work with us, work with our brain health clinic to examine these issues by bringing together um, a, a panel of international experts. This is the kind of collaboration that we need and ultimately, professional rugby is still, to some degree, still in its infancy. I mean, we're, we're not talking that there's been a huge amount of years here, around 25 years, give or take. So all the growth that you're able to, uh, the strategies, the policies that you're able to put in place come as a result of studies such as this one. So with that in mind, Doc, what's next then for Scottish rugby? We've got this information today. It's one that you'll take on board, I'm sure, much like you do with any research that's presented to you. But with, with the headlines in mind with this one, what's next for Scottish rugby? Yes, I endorse what, what some, some of the leading um, lights, the leading researchers have said in the, the, uh, the, the press today in response to this particular study, they need to say that this is a concerning figure mm -hmm. that we need to look very carefully. It's a very small um, population sam sample size. There are a lot of factors in the um, potential evolution of diseases like Alzheimer's and motor neuron disease. I saw a very informative quote this morning that say, you know, it's multifactorial, it involves complex genetics and a set of environmental factors coming together. There is so much more that we need to do. Motor neuron disease in particular has been a very Cinderella disease. You know, we've got use in public to knowing about breast cancer in, in women, about prostatic cancer in men, and a lot of that because it affects a great number of people mm -hmm. in the population, attracts a great deal of funding. Mm -hmm. The likes of motor neuron disease, which is a relatively uncommon but devastating disease, doesn't attract the same funding. And I know that our great friend mm -hmm. Doddy Weir has been instrumental in actually publicizing this fact and, and done an immense job mm -hmm. in actually raising money for research. And that, that's a, that's the key, isn't it? The, the changes that can be made, but you need the research there. The, the figure associated with the study to the, the potential link to MD is quite high, um, and it's quite a bit alarming for me as, as a player, for regardless of being a professional player, an international player, an amateur player, as a parent, uh, as a parent, yeah, with, with, with somebody who plays rugby as well. Um, it's only right that it's taken seriously, but it's only right that there's a lot of balance around it as well. And I assume that's what further research with advisory group with MND and, and inviting guys like yourself on. That's the, that's the goal, isn't it? It's to find out more so we can make the game as safe as possible and potentially put minds at ease as well. Yeah, you, you know me. I, I think I'm reasonably passionate and sometimes I get quite, 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 quite emotional. What we need to do with this kind of information is take the emotion out. We need to take a step back. Mm. We need to draw a breath. We need to examine those findings. And then we need to take those findings to collaborative efforts to do more research and make sure that we get the answers that we need to make player welfare and to make the game as safe as we possibly can. 
And just to round off there, Doc, one of the um, elements of that um, is in the form of the Brain Health Clinic that that was was kickstarted earlier this year. Can you tell us a little bit about the progress, how that's been driving <coughs> forward? We've had some high profile names say that they've been involved. Uh, Gavin Hastings this morning uh, said that publicly too. So uh, in, are you quite pleased with the progress of it and, and what are you learning from it? Yeah, I'm delighted and dismayed. I'm dismayed that it's taken us you know, almost two years to true, truly get off the ground. Part of that is just the barriers that are often put into this kind of initiative. We have to remember we're not the only brain health clinic. The RFU have been instrumental in, in setting up um, a, a similar scheme down south and uh, doing an immense amount of work. One would hope that in the future, brain health clinics are available for general members of the public, like you, like me. You do, shouldn't need to play rugby. But what we thought after I'd heard Professor Ritchie speak, I thought this was another step that we could take towards providing welfare, um, providing a place that people could come having played rugby. It all evolves around the subject of brain health. Brain Health Scotland have been instrumental in designing a massive online course that anybody, any member of the public can go on and access. And this will give you information about maximising your, your brain health. So what we need to do is we need to, <coughs> pardon, we need to have better ways of monitoring the brain health of our current population. We need to have better ways of monitoring and perhaps modifying our brain health going forwards. You remember, traumatic brain injury is one of 12 factors in the evolution of Alzheimer's disease. One of the factors that we can't modify is like myself, 65 next birthday. The older I get, the more at risk mm -hmm. I, I, I have of developing dementia. Things that I can do, if we take my particular um, person into, into account, I could perhaps drink less alcohol, I could perhaps exercise more, I could ensure that I'm not overweight, I could avoid withdrawing from social circles. Mm -hmm. All of these factors, along with the other eight factors in, 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 in that, are so-called modifiable factors, so they're things that we can look at. If we look specifically at rugby, we need to look at how we modify the amount of contact that the head takes. That, I believe, World Rugby are doing with their high-tackle framework, with their educational pieces. We cannot rest until, well, in fact, we can never rest because there'll always be some way, I would hope, of making things safer. But we mustn't lose sight of the fact that physical activity is, by and large, good for us. It helps to reduce rates of cancer, of diabetes. It helps to reduce men mental illness issues. We've got to strike a balance, and that is true in any walk of life. Yeah, just one thing picking up on that. I know that you said it was the last thing, Karen, but the uh, the word balance you said there, and also the, the contact training time is one of the things you're looking at. It's really important to find that right balance, isn't it? I think it's really important not to do too much contact at training through the week. We know that, we've seen that. There's a massive shift towards reducing that if it needs reduced. Not everybody will need it reduced. Some people have it where they think's right, but. The balance is important because you have to prepare the players for going on the field. They have to be technically prepared. They have to be understand, you know, where their head goes in the tackle, what your footwork's like, how you work with the players either side. You see, we're talking about defensively here, or, or whether it's clearing out a breakdown. So there has to be an element of preparatory work or a big element of preparatory work that will include contact. But that, quite rightly, just has to be modified and 
research studies like this and other and all the other work that we're involved in will hopefully make it easier to find that balance or to get that right balance to keep the game as safe as possible. And actually, I, I, I know we said that this was the last, but this Sorry, is what James, happens on... You're recognising what happens <laughs> on the official Scottish Rugby podcast. <laughs> Mossy and I get chatting and then it goes down. Um, one of the things actually we, we've spoken about is, for example, learning what we can do, how we can develop and grow the game and understanding. One of the things was actually technology in mouth guards even. Yeah, it, it, if you look back at the, the evolution, when I started with the international team, the coach would stand up at the front with a VHS um, um, button and he would play a bit of tape and then people would discuss it and then he'd Rolling rewind the, the tape <laughs> and we would we, we'd look at it look, look at it again. Mm -hmm. And then we developed video analysis which looks at the technical sides of it. We then found that, that several years ago we could use that expertise in informing us on injury mechanisms so we'd go back somebody gets injured first thing we want to do after we looked after them of course <laughs> is actually go back and examine see video footage and mm -hmm. see why things have happened and again this is the way that the rugby authorities have worked they've uh, they've you know they've done big studies where we've got good video evidence of what actually happened and how did it happen and what therefore could we we modify and now we're into the realms and 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 this technology has been evolving over the last five to seven years of instrumented mouth guards initially sensors were being put behind the ear they're being put in skull caps etc we're now at a stage oh i believe we're at a stage where instrumented mouth guard work will come into its own this will be i think it will give us a quantifiable um, measure of what's happening during the working week and then what's happening mm -hmm. in games. So not just for the acute episode, how much force, how much torsion is applied to, to, to the body and therefore the brain in any particular incident, but I believe it will give us better information rather than just the mm -hmm. coach saying, we've had 15 minutes of contact. We'll actually have evidence for mm -hmm. that and this should hopefully allow us to modify what, what we do. The instrumented mouth guards started being very bulbous they're, they're, we're working with at the moment um, hit iq um, who, who've been a, a great company to work with they have developed their technology such that the mouth guard now is much much smaller got to remember that mouth guard technology is being used down under as we speak for the women's world cup Mm -hmm. Well, rugby are, are, are heavily investing in a research project in New Zealand looking at community um, mouth guard and, and contact and coll collision work, but the priority just now is the Women's World Cup. So we'll be able to examine that data in light of any potential injury that has occurred, etc., and learn from it. And learning from it is exactly what we've been talking about today. Mm -hmm. It's no use doing research unless we learn, learn lessons. But in doing that research, it often throws up other questions. I'm afraid that this research that's come out today has thrown up a myriad of other questions. Fortunately, we seem to be not short of some very, very expert, learned people coming forwards to offer help. Doc, thank you so much for your time today for providing us insight and a bit of understanding into that report. Dr James Robson, Scottish Rugby's Chief Medical Officer. Thanks, Doc. <laughs>
all different, all totally different. One of them was in New Zealand. Um, I found it in the last one, uh, 2011. Um, but prior to that, I remember touring New Zealand in 2000 and, and playing in Whangarei where the, where the game against, well, where all the games were going to be. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it, I said finally, because it it's, seems to, you know, for us as supporters and, you know, part of the, the squad in some ways in, in, in terms of what we do with them, but it, it's been a long time for us. It must have been even a longer time for the players waiting for this moment to come along. It's been you know, a lot of changes, a lot of you know, hurdles, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, going through the qualification and then finally getting there. So all that can you prepare to work all that anger all that frustration is all it's all going to come out against Wales um and I remember talking to Brian Eason you know at the start of the summer saying listen the focus every session we're doing from now is for this first game against Wales um so that's the pressure that's on it it brings pressure um but it also brings a release and an excitement that the, the moment's finally there and, and all the hard work that the, the players have been doing and they've been working a lot harder now than they were last week when we spoke to them just after they'd arrived um it's all it's all to to point to a, a top performance against Wales. Well, let's hear exactly how they've been getting on. I've been loving watching the, the, the content on social media, but let's hear from the women themselves. This is Helen Nelson and Lisa Thompson from Inside Scotland's Rugby Camp in New Zealand. Hello and welcome to Scotland Women Check-In. We are now in Fangare in the north of New Zealand. We arrived two days ago, um, so we're just settling in and checking out the training pitch and getting ready for our match against Wales on Sunday. So last few days in Auckland, how did you find them and getting ready? Yeah, it was class. Had a hit out against South Africa. It was a miserable day, but um, we adjusted to the conditions, got what we needed out of it. Um, some big girls in that South Africa team, um, but got some physicality, which we know the Welsh are going to bring as well. Um, yeah, and you were diving in a puddle at the end, so I must have been having fun. I know, I did lose an odds <laughs> on, but um, yeah. No, it was good, wasn't it? Like... As we say, we're always like maybe a little bit rusty, mm. like before a match week. So it's good to kind of try out different things and yeah, definitely, and get over the final bit of jet lag as well. So yes. get a good bit of hit out, and then got up to Fungary <coughs> yesterday, mm-hmm. day before, maybe day before, day before, <laughs> um, and we had the opening ceremony before we came up. How did you find that? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, first time I think we'd all been together, like all mm. the teams. Um, so cool just to like see everyone and proper like buzz about it, wasn't yeah. there? And then um, I liked it when they did the kind of Maori welcome. So mm. it was like the Fiji and the Tonga and all the dances. Um, and then when uh, Cecilia, the Welsh girl, got mm. up and like danced back and sang back, like it was incredible. Yeah, I had Rona next to me and she was crying her eyes out. Oh, she? Yeah, literally oh the whole way through it. <laughs> Um, but cool, like you've probably got that cultural like welcome. Yeah, no, hundred percent is class to see, and just like different nationalities all over the place. It was really yeah. cool. We're up here in Whangarei, um, bit of a change of scene, change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyed city life, but deep into real New Zealand now. How have you been finding it? Yeah, it's all a lot greener, quieter. <laughs> yeah. But I think good, like you said, we can just get properly like stuck into the rugby, mm. concentrate on that. It's been funny being out and about, like the locals, they absolutely love it. They know exactly mm. who we are, um, just rugby mad. So it's been cool to see that side of it. Um, and obviously we're sharing a hotel mm-hmm. with Italy and... Japan. Japan. How are you finding that? Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, different, like we're used to it in sevens a wee bit, but like 15s, it's just a lot more people. Like you've got three teams of like 45, 50 people here. Mm. Um, so no, it's like we've got our my room is right at the end of the corridor. My door's open the whole time, and Italians just walking mm. past, loving life. But no, nah, it's cool, and it's cool to experience that in fifteens um, as well. Slightly busier at meal times. But Slightly busier at meal queuing times. system is good at the moment. Yep, it's going we're strong. Yeah, <laughs> but nah, class. Yep. 
So now we had double rugby today. No, double rugby yesterday. How did you find it? It's all, it's all blurring into one. It's <laughs> and I don't know where we are. Yeah, no, uh, double rugby yesterday. Um, definitely needed, I think. Mm. Um, after a kind of chilled few days, um, get back into it. Um, I had a real good defensive session yesterday. Yeah, we did. Um, Tyrone will be very happy. <laughs> But uh, nah, class, um, definitely, body's definitely feeling it and ready for a day off, but mm -hmm. no, uh, feeling good going into Will's game. Good. Are you buzzing for the Will's game? I am. For game week? Yeah, I think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we've played them so many times, mm. but never like on this stage, obviously World, uh, Rugby World Cup, like I think it will bring an extra layer of spice, but feeling good. I think it's like quietly building towards yeah. it. No, it definitely um, is. And yeah, I think obviously day off tomorrow needed, but then couple of sessions left and we'll just build in and we'll be ready yeah for sure i think that spice will be there on sunday I think so. big stage scotland wales and will your family be here for that Are they family coming out the week after okay. for oz and new zealand game cool. um so we'll get there for a couple more big games yeah is your family coming out no i think there are i think for, for some friends and family are yeah. arriving though so i think brother yes he's coming new zealand game um but yeah i think just having like even though we don't necessarily all have like families mm. here or parents here, I think everyone will just get scooped up into yeah. that like, wider oh Scotland God, women squad and kind of start to feel that buzz. Yeah, for sure. Big Scotland WhatsApp group. Yes. Parents in it. So they are buzzing. <laughs> cool. Class. Thank you very much for checking in. Um, catch us next week and we can tell you about all about the Wales game and our build up to Australia. URC. URC, it is indeed. Right. Oh, it was a tough round three oh, in yeah. the uh, United Rugby Championship for both sides. What was you? What did you make of the games? Uh, I, I think I generally think Edinburgh can hold their heads up high, and I know that some people say, "Oh, it's easy to say that because you've you've came away from uh, South Africa with two defeats, picking up two bonus points effectively in, in, in week one um, was an excellent outcome. It could have been better. Obviously, it was one kick away from five points, but um, two points if you're going to lose." it's taken someone away from home um, and then I think in all honesty the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game against the Storms the weekend, Edinburgh just probably suffered from those two massive games back to back um, having picked up a lot of knocks and bumps in, in the first one um, it started well, got off to a great lead managed the game particularly well took the Stormers on physically dominated them at scrum time Played a really clever game, went ten a lot, but conceding a try just before half time. Hurt Edinburgh, sorry, um, and then conceding a try just after half time hurt them even more. Um, so yeah, listen. What's important for Edinburgh is that they they get back to the winning ways if possible this week. They play South African opposition again at Dam Health on Friday night. Different. It's a different well, they, game at home though. And in the Lions, they've 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 won the last two games on the road as well. Mm. Uh, totally different uh, in terms of surroundings, environment. South African teams are all playing quite similarly. Uh, it was, so I've seen a trend coming out that they're maybe playing less like how you expect them to play. The Stormers play fast brand of rugby, but the Bulls traditionally, the Lions, Sharks have been in the opening you know, games this season different to what they were last season, where they were a bit safety first last season. Now they're really going for it. They're using that power, they're using their explosive size, but they've got an offloading game, they've got a, an attacking game that doesn't really marry up to how the Springboks play. Um, so it's, it's a threat. It's quite interesting it's how that's going to be in the, well, over I think the next just, year in the World I Cup just, Yeah, and I think they've just evolved and they've, they've learned what the what can be successful in the URC. Um, it's, whether it's 
a conscious decision or, or, or whether we've seen a lot of big scores in rugby at the moment even the, the Gaelic Premiership as well and uh, as well as other games in URC we've seen a lot of tries and the South African teams who you would maybe kind of loosely say would be big and safety first not they're, they're playing and, and the Lions do that as well so Edinburgh have to travel back or have travelled back they have to then have a pretty short training week before facing the Lions which will be uh, which will be a tough old test on Friday night but getting back to winning ways at the damn health would be excellent because the, the performances I think although the results haven't been what they want the performances have been good and Boff's back <laughs> yeah King Boff's back King uh, Boff. he's a uh, big smile on his face and um, I, I think uh, there'll be almost well I, I don't know how many injuries Edinburgh off, off the top of my head but you'll be pretty close to having a, a, a big squad to choose from. Uh, Wes Goosen was a big signing over the summer. Mm. And, uh, um, I'm not sure if he's available for this week, but he'll be creeping towards being available as well. So there's two international quality players that you can get back into the mix alongside the players who performed so well um, over in South Africa. So, um, yeah, frustrating results, um, but a lot of good elements of the performance that... Um, Again, would have to be improved to get the win this week, but uh, not not uh, not too bad a state. I have to say, it's also a really good night out. I love a seven thirty-five kick off at the Dam Health. <laughs> I have to say, it's a great uh, it's a great stadium. I'm really enjoying it. Um, so that match finished out thirty-four eighteen on the road. Glasgow, meanwhile, thirty-two seventeen defeat to Osprey. Yeah, disappointing after the week before. Just disappointing after the the big win, the fifty point win at home to Cardiff. Um, the which game was, was a reaction to Benetton. Which was a reaction to Benetton. Um, the game. Kind of lacked a lot of quality to start with, and it almost felt as if there was a lot of pressure on the sides. That Glasgow trying to kind of consolidate that win last week, on, but on the road, uh, and then Ospreys had lost at home the week before against the Lions, and, and if I felt the first twenty minutes it was almost stagnant in some mm. ways, and then oh, Ospreys, Keelan Giles let the the game up. Yeah, certainly his first try it was both tries, but his first try really kind of let the game up at that point. Um, and I think Glasgow had quite a lot of possession, had quite a lot of decent territory, but couldn't quite find that that gap, that edge, that attacking instinct of brilliance in the final kind of third of the game, uh, third of the pitch that we that we could apply the pressure on the scoreboard that they maybe had in terms of the game. It's disappointing, and then uh, and then Osprey's pulled away. Glasgow scored two late tries, so it's a disappointing game for Glasgow. Um, they, they face the Bulls at home this week, mm. which is another big ask. But it's a big at home. ask, but it is at home. Yeah, at home you can see the effect that Scotson had uh, the previous previous week to to Cardiff, and it's I don't think the performance was as bad against Osprey as the score suggests, mm-hmm. but also I don't think the performance against Cardiff was as good as it suggests. In some ways, they're still finding feet, still getting new structures, new strategies, and um, but with the, the Scotson crowd behind them, they'll be looking to to keep the ball alive to move to shift the target against the Bulls because they uh, they do that as well but they're on the road they're, they're, a, they're a big old side to play At this stage in a squad's evolution with a new head coach um, at the top where are you as a player by this point because you're you're still around a lot of the guys that have you've been around with before but there's perhaps new ways of working coming in are they, will they still be finding their feet at this point? Uh, um, I think you're always you're always evolving, so you don't you never get to a point where you find your feet and that's you. Um, be that if you've worked with the same squad and the same coach for five years or ten years or one year or six weeks, I think you're always changing. Um, I, I think that there's still it's very formative in terms of where they are in, uh, in terms of probably a different attacking structure, um, but 
I, I don't think as a player you, you often think how close am I to the end the end never never came it never comes it never appears you just have to keep developing 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 and in your case even after retirement you're yeah well exactly yeah. you just <laughs> you always yeah so I don't think as a player you, you think like that you you can get more comfortable you can get better understanding of the instinct as to where you're going to be in what shape or what call or Maybe you're playing with different players around about you, and you you, you develop this rapport and relationship. Like who's likely to offload, who's likely to get their hands free in a tackle, who's likely to be in the support line, and where they're likely to come from. So that builds as you you play more together. But as a as an individual player, I don't think you ever. Well, I certainly never thought I was near the finishing line. And uh, I, yeah, they'll get more coherent. They'll feel this sweet spot once they're into a yeah, rhythm. I guess is yeah, the point once you get yeah. used to the new setup. But, that, but, the, but what gives you that is real basic building blocks that are done really well mm-hmm. your defensive organisation your set piece your delivery from the top of the line out your your call from the line out your balance to the game whether you drive or whether you, you know, come around the front line and peel off the back whether you kick from deep or whether you kick into contest so there's building blocks that will be evident that if you get them consistent then the rest of it should fit together and you know Kind of four week week four of the season. Although there was this disrupted pre-season, week four of the season you should really start to, to see it come together. Oh, I tell you, the URC, the United Rugby Championships, it's a really enjoyable tournament to watch. I'm, I have to say, I'm, it's growing in itself as well, mm. and I'm, I'm really enjoying that when we look at what we've had before to where we are now. So, no, it is an opportunity in round four, I guess, for both sides. They're both at home. Uh, Edinburgh Rugby take on the Lions at the Dam Health on Friday night, as we've said. Glasgow Warriors host the Bulls at Scotston on Saturday night, and both. With the 7:35 kickoff, Scotland will face Australia, Fiji, New Zealand, and Argentina this October and November at BT Murrayfield Stadium in Edinburgh in the Autumn Nations Series. Tickets for Scotland's fixture against New Zealand have already sold out. Secure your tickets now for the other matches. Let's turn to the Foz Rocks Super Six. So. Wins-wise, it was an away win for Ayrshire Bulls, 33-7 to Heriot's Rugby. Watsonians, home win, 38-14 to Southern Knights. And then uh, a, a really Sterling interesting result. Yeah, we've been talking about this. And Sterling got not just a win, yeah, an away win. An away win. Uh, 28-16 to Birmingham Bears. Yeah, it was It was actually it was a cracking game that I, I watched back. And Sterling have been so close without getting their victory. And you know, we've got back, we've said it week and week, that the, the performances through sprint series were pretty good and then they didn't really see a huge change or drop-off from their sprint series performances to their Super 6 championship performances, but they didn't, <laughs> they couldn't pick up that win. Um, but they didn't Friday night away to Birmingham. It was quite windy. They, uh, they kind of played into the win the first half still and then uh, defended really well, managed to win pretty well um, and then really came alive in that second half. Uh, I think Barramuir Bears will be disappointed because there were big periods of the game where they didn't capitalise on the pressure they had. But uh, yeah, Sterling got over the try and Gregor Hiddleston scored. He was he was outstanding. Duncan Weir was in uh, as, a, as a professional player dropping down who really helped control and, and guide the, um, the the Sterling pack across the field, making it Marcus Holden shifted to 12. So between the 10 and 12 distributors and Benedict Grant at number eight as always makes a, a lot of inroads. So the... Um, yeah, it didn't look like a huge change in the performance level, but it looked comfortable and safe and 
I think everybody, you know, other than the Buttermere Bears fans, were, were <laughs> probably quite relieved that Stirling could get their first win. Yeah, confidence-wise, that makes a massive difference as well. And, it's, and we did talk a few weeks ago about the fact that sometimes there is that transition season yeah. uh, and, and that there is an evolution there. I mean, at the top of the table elsewhere, you, you had a 38-14 convincing win for Watsonians other, over Southern Knights. So that was, a, again, Southern Knights, it's, it's, it's been a tough old season. Yeah, they, they dug in. Um, I think when you saw the... The, kind of, the fixture list you thought well Watsonians at home and the power they've had and the troubles that the Knights have had with, with player fitness and injury that that could have been more one-sided but it was it, well, it was a, a, a decent game um, and, and the Knights again the start of the Herod's Ayrshire Bulls game was frantic the first 10-15 minutes was I think uh, I, I just written down here that it was wild it was I mean, <laughs> it was fierce it was, it was it was wild it was fast it was furious Ayrshire Bulls scored a couple of early tries there was you know, a lot of physicality and then it stagnated a little bit the Bulls were clearly the better side and, and got the win but there was elements of that especially in the first half that I thought that's a is a really high intense quick I want to say wild mm. kind of opening um, and then it was one of the heaviest rain showers I think I've ever seen <laughs> almost swamped the it's game like a, a wee bit a, a but uh, yeah you can see Bulls and Watsonians are clearly the two I think at the top of their form, the two sides at the top of their form. They're enjoying this tournament, aren't they? Well, it's, it's funny, I was thinking that the Bulls as well, last year they did the same. They mm. kind of gradually got better and better and better, culminating by winning the final. Um, They're two points apart just yeah, now. Yeah, and, and, and Motorians, who are, who've definitely added an extra dimension to the game this year t- as to what they had last year, have been good all the way through. Mm. So when you know when we reach the final stages, it'll be interesting to see how it, um, how it all turns out. And Gary mentioned last week, and you did too, about the depth and the way that they're using their players too. And you can, you know, as, uh, we've got Dunkey Weir coming in as well. Mm. Like, this just works, doesn't it? That system of of bringing the pro team players down and yeah it's uh, <clears throat> I think it helps everybody in terms of the players that are there as well like the the, the players you know who, who professional players who go and play enjoy mm-hmm. it but the players who are there enjoy it as well it's quite funny it was Dougie Duncan we were on Tuesday and he says oh I was getting wired and I says you were like a bat road Duncan you were flying about hitting everything <laughs> with the head taped up with the ear cut <clears throat> and he was flying about and, he said, and the, I think it was Scott Robson who was 12 for Borough Muir uh, they just went at each other yeah. and it was I thought it was actually a great contest I thought Scott Robson's a big ball carrying 12 and he just comes straight off the first line and right at Duncan Duncan puts him down and then I said was there a bit of chat between you he said oh yeah yeah it was great and it was it was like here's a, a young 12 who's powerful who's strong mm-hmm. who was involved in age grade rugby a couple of years ago Thinking to himself, right, here's Dunkey Weir, I'm going after him. And then yeah. Dunkey thinking, well, here's a chance to me. And there was two or three big collisions where they almost sought each other out. And I thought, well, there's a there's another example that that kind of opportunity to get out and that the raw rugby vibe, uh, as well as all the, the structure and the strategy and the sense that goes along with it. So it was, it was quite good to see it was, uh, I suppose, the old, old, old fashioned habits. It's great to watch, isn't it? And and you can still watch, of course. The highlights are on Scottish Rugby TV for the Foz Rock Super Six, as well as, of course, the Tenants Men's and the Tenants Women's Premiership. All of that's available on Scottish Rugby's YouTube channel. Well, that's it from Chris and I for this week. Uh, thanks very much indeed to our guests, Dr James Robson, and of course to Helen and Lisa. We wish Scotland women very well in New Zealand for their Rugby World Cup opener this weekend. We will be supporting them, uh, setting the alarm at 5.45. Yeah, as close to that as possible now. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> might, get, might catch the highlights. Well, very best of luck to them. Thanks again. And that's it for now on the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. 